Welcome to the View in Your Mirror podcast. We are your hosts, Lisa Rubin and Katie Harms. From new moves to tried and true strategies, we'll dissect the ways in which clothing and a little organization can and does affect your daily life. Come along as we hope to inspire, engage, and shape your rituals as well as your shapewear. Dear Lisa Rubin. Good afternoon, morning, evening. Katie, <laughs> whenever wherever you're listening, you are, wherever you are in the world, say, what's your superpower? What's my superpower? Yes, ma'am. What's your superpower? Um, I think my gut. So I always, I always go with my gut and it's always served me well. And I'm a good read of people. I guess that's why I do what I do for a living, right? If I couldn't read what they want or what they're thinking, I probably couldn't do my job very well. Yes. Behind your superpower, then what falls into place? Because you've got the superpower that I feel like you've honed over the years, listening to your gut reading people. I feel like you have some pretty great skills that you've had to work on perfecting well, over the years. I guess so. Yeah. One of the skills is that when my gut's telling me no, to be able to say no to myself or walk away or don't involve myself. So that's probably a skill from probably bad experiences or whatever as a young person that I've had to hone in on because my gut's pretty strong. So then if you could do anything else other than what you're doing, what do you think you'd be doing with the skills that you have? If I could do anything I wanted to do, this is going to sound very strange. I would go and work at a zoo and I would go back to school to learn how to do that. And I want to work with primates. <laughs> not an answer you're expecting. I don't know that there's ever an answer that I expect when asking that question, because people have so many different layers in their lives that I think it's, it's fabulous to know what, what the thought process is. Do you ever see yourself volunteering at the zoo? Yeah. hundred percent, but you have to, ha you have to go through a lot of education and it's very time intensive. I did have a client years ago that did do that. And I was fascinated by it. So I asked a lot of questions. And I mean, she put in hours before she could even volunteer. And you know, that day will come. Right now, I love what I do. And I'm busy. And I don't have time for it. Yeah. And the thing that's incredible, when you think about it is, I have to believe primates communicate in such ways that maybe your, your gut would help you in that manner as well, right? hundred percent. I mean, whenever I go to any zoo and I've gone to many zoos, I always go to where the primates are, whether it's the orangutans, the monkeys, the gorillas, and I sit and observe them because, you know, they have human qualities and it's fascinating to me. Fascinating. Very interesting. Hey, thanks okay. for sharing. So Katie, what's your superpower? My ability to organize things quickly. I'm good under pressure when things need to get done and I can jump into that mode and organize people and things in a rather quick manner. I would say that's my superpower. I would agree with that 200%. I think that's <laughs> 200. Wow. <laughs> that's how you, that's actually how you operate. I mean, that's how you operate best is when you can do it that way. Yeah. I enjoy it. And for me, it's very interesting because I'm going to be looking at another change in my life, which is going to require some moving, more moving. And it's going to require being able to get myself to a point where I can really downsize. 
So that will be a very interesting process. And we should talk more about that on coming episodes, because I think a lot of people are going through this now, leaving the big house, going into smaller spaces, looking at their life in different ways. Do they have a a vacation home? Are they living in different areas? So how do you actually do that? And how do you look at your life and the things that you've collected over long periods of time and decide what stays and what goes? And we could almost donate a whole episode to that, but it was interesting because I picked up real simples, organizing basics there. It truly is energetically feeling like you've got to start thinking about cleaning out. We're coming up onto spring cleaning and all of that. So their uh, method is more calm, less clutter. And they talk about prepping and purging. We all have purging to do. I don't care how neat and tidy you are. Everybody has purging to do how you optimize your cast-offs, where you give things to. We've talked about that. Keeping things in sight, moving things out of sight, assigning everything areas in your home, and then you know, giving yourself rewards for doing this task, right? And then fighting future clutter, I think is a great one. One of the things that they mentioned that every professional organizer talks about is the cardinal rule, one in, one out. So if you're buying something, you're buying a pair of shoes, that one comes in, one goes out. I, I talk about that with my clients all the time. In fact, yeah. when I go to their closets and I'm looking over everything and we're doing my little system and they want to buy more things, we actually have that conversation. Yeah, it's, a, it's important. It really is. It's a big part of it. It's a big part of feeling comfortable in your spaces too. We're going to talk more with being comfortable in your spaces. We have a great guest today, Renee Keller from Renee Keller Interior Design. I think it's a great time to continue the conversation on what's changed, particularly in home design, interior space planning with COVID. It's changed all of our lives longer than we had anticipated. And I think it's going to be with us for a continued amount of time. So it'll be fun to hear what Renee has to say. Before that, Lisa, pop quiz. We haven't talked about this in a long time. What season and episode are we on? Oh, Katie, I'm so glad you asked. It's season three, episode 10. Fantastic. Well, there you have it. And we're looking forward to so many more. We want to thank Rustica Bakery again for joining us for another year of sponsorship. We just love having them. And it makes my little stomach happy (laughs) when I think about another year of talking about their fabulous treats. So with that, we are going to welcome Renee Keller to our podcast. Hey, Renee. So great to have you, Renee. Tell us a little bit about your background. Thanks for having me. I have been an interior designer for 26 years and started out with a large firm at Gunkelman's Interior Design, went into a smaller firm, and then started my own design firm 12 years ago. Do you have a focus? Yes, we focus on new construction and large remodels. We do have some clients that have, you know, smaller rooms that they do and just want to do decorating as, as some people would say, but we do focus on larger projects that probably last anywhere from 12 months to probably two years. And we do like the longevity of that. And also we do enjoy the relationships that we get from, you know, start to and, and picking out the materials. And what I always like to say is having the, being able to choose the, the palette or the backdrop of the house and then being able to 
bring our furniture into it and the client's existing furniture and things into it. So it's really a personalized approach. I'm assuming you get in on the front end. Are you primarily coming through the builder or are you coming through the client? It varies. I guess I would usually say that we are recommended a lot of times by the architect or the builder. After being in, in the local business, um, I have a lot of relationships with builders and architects. It's not a very large area to be in. So after being in the business for this long, you get to know people. And um, so sometimes, you know, you have repeat clients, which are, is wonderful. And then sometimes you have builders that you've had relationships with and they go off and start their own business and or architects that you've met and they remember you and, and know that you would be a good fit for this personality. So it really varies, but I guess I would say that mostly architects and builders do recommend me and our firm. And sometimes it works out and sometimes, you know, you interview and it, for some reason the client chooses another designer and it's a, such a personal relationship that you have to have and you're, you have to be right on with them and it's not a short time. So it's, it's like I said, a year to two years. So it has to be right. I think that's a really good point to make that as people are looking to hire someone in really anything they do, if there's going to be that long-term relationship, it has to be right. So I would imagine that there are times where you feel it's not right for the client that you're talking to either. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Or if there's just not this you just don't hit it off. It's kind of like dating almost where if you I just, just going to say that it's like you go on your first date and then you decide if you're going to move forward. Yeah. And if you just don't, if you don't feel, if you don't have fireworks <laughs> or if you, if you just don't feel the trust or for some reason, I, you don't feel like it's the right fit. It doesn't mean you don't like them or they don't like you. Um, it's hard to not take it personally, or if you're really excited about the project, but I've had people recommend me to their friends, even if they didn't hire me. So it just works out. I mean, it is a personal choice, but if they don't choose you, it, it's, it's just, it didn't work out. Right. It's not a, it's not an indictment on your personality your style or your business. It's just that they felt a better fit with somebody else and that's okay. Yeah, it could be. And sometimes it's even, um, uh, size of company. We're three people that are full-time employees. And then we have contractors that come in too, but sometimes people want the big company that does everything. And like, I've had a couple that have wanted to go through and do the 15,000 square foot home and loved that. And so that that's why we didn't get the job. It wasn't because we weren't capable or they just wanted the larger firm to be doing it and they felt better doing that way. So yeah. Scope and size is important on, on yeah. everybody. So now you get in on that front end of a project. Are you talking actual space planning at that point with them as well? You get architectural plans. Is, is that in the conversation? I have, this is a leading question, of course. Yes. That's my, that's my sphere. That's what I love. I know. So a lot of times, um, like we just started up with a project with a, a client in uh, Wisconsin. It's a cabin that it was a teardown. And the architects that we worked with, they had placement of furniture and kind of the overall space plan. And right away, they said, this is what we're thinking. These are just placeholders. So they know where a sofa would go. They're like, you have free reign to, you know, place what you want where and, and these so they're just like, this isn't set in stone. And they said, we, we um, want you to take it from here. You know, we don't, this isn't what we want to do. We want to do other things. And we have plenty of 
things to do. And so there's always that conversation with the architects that we're like, who's doing what? Are you doing the lighting plan? Are we doing the lighting plan? Do you have time to do the cabinet drawings? Do you, I mean, every architect is different and every season is different for each designer and each architect and, and where you're at. Um, and so I always like to come in and say, okay, what, what are you wanting to have um, in control is a bad word. Uh, but what are you, what are your expectations? What's your agreement with the client, especially if they're first and we're second, which we oftentimes um, maybe are the third on the project, usually the builder, architect, and then us. Um, I would love to see that change, but um, you know, right now that's, that's the way it is for us. So just being open about that and flexible and even saying, if possible, I would love to do the cabinet drawings or we would love to do the finished schedule. The one thing we want to avoid though is to not be double billing the client. So over overlapping, there should be a little bit of overlap, meaning discussing things, or this is what our vision is, um, and, and just kind of collaborating in that way. But the last thing we want to do is to have one, you know, the architect doing this and having us do this and then having the client have to pay twice for it. That is something that we want to avoid. So we want to be open about who's doing what. Makes sense. So a lot of communicating on the front end. Yes. And catching up if we're last to the party. Makes Don't sense. Don't you also have to kind of get to know who you're working with? And I mean, if you're working with a couple, you have to understand how they operate because it will make your decision-making much quicker if you kind of feel out who's making the actual decisions and all of that. Yes, exactly. Like who makes the decisions in what area, like whose department is this? And we tend to work with families a lot. And so we can kind of read them pretty good. I, I, I have a project manager that um, I work with and, and I've known her forever. And she just started in March of last year, but we work so well together. So she's very intuitive and says, did you see how that worked out? And I'm like, yep, he takes care of this area. He's the cook, let's say. She is um, the one that is wanting this master bath or excuse me, primary bath and, you know, wants the dining room to be full. So everybody can sit around the table, you know, things like that. And so we, we just try to make sure we write notes about those things. Cause we do want to make sure that we are paying attention to those things and that we know who to ask the questions. And we actually straight up ask them who's the decision maker. And, um, and then we ask it a little bit later in the um, process too. And we, you know, ask about budget right away. And uh, what, what is their goal? And if they don't know, that is okay. And then we try to come up with a budget for furniture design time. And so we're completely honest and, and um, we can also set a time frame of meetings. So we don't have too many meetings. And so that they're not feeling overwhelmed because that's not the point of things. We want them to enjoy it um, and feel organized about it and to know that we've got things um, under control. That makes sense. There's a lot of people that I've talked to after a project that talk about the overwhelming part of it. Let me ask you point blank. Do you ever have a situation where you meet with the client, you talk about what their needs are, and when you look at the architectural plans, there are some changes that you can really see that would enhance what that client really wants? 
Yes. It, or if it's like not a realistic, if, if they want one thing and let's say they have plans and the architect's out of it now, or it's a design plan that they purchased, um, maybe they're not the right client for us. We prefer to have a, a, an architect, a builder and ourselves that are current and that are always working on it together from beginning to finish. Sometimes you can pass the baton on where the architect maybe is not as active um, at, at certain points, or let's say we weren't as active right at the very beginning when they were starting to draw the, you know, how the, um, the um, building was getting set into the side of the hill or something and where it was spaced. I mean, that's, it's more of an architect um, design point right there. But so I think, um, there's ebb and flows of, of who's busiest at, at one point, but definitely we we try to be honest and say this isn't um, what you're going to be experiencing um, and just to be um, fair to them. Yeah, and I, I guess really my question comes down to if you see there's a wall that could be moved that would make a living space much more livable, is that something you'd approach a, an architect or a contractor with? Absolutely. Absolutely. We would suggest um, in the, in the best possible way, um, we would say, you know, have you thought of this? Um, and depending on this, the, the, the circumstance, we would could, could even go to the architect and say, she is wanting this, this, and this. I don't know if she communicated that to you, but um, this is um, what we're suggesting. And not really saying, I don't know if she's told you this, but this is what we're going to suggest. So don't be surprised. And um, hopefully you can see the value in this and it can it be done structurally also. Right. And That's you walk a question. fine line. You walk a fine line because you're not wanting to insult the architect. They're fabulous. Right. They have great visions and all of that. But when you get into it, there's a many pieces. And I think you as the designer have those more intimate conversations as you go along the project. Yeah. Yeah. And they may not have had all of those intimate conversations with them, or maybe uh, their, their thought process has evolved. Maybe the builder also can say, it's not going to work like that. And maybe we need to do some problem solving and we need to kind of put our, our minds together and, and do something different that none of us have thought of yet. Well, speaking of doing something different that none of us have thought of yet, what are you seeing during COVID? I mean, nobody has anticipated that it was going to last this long. And <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what's happening? People are desperate to find spaces in their homes to work <laughs> quietly. What are you yeah. seeing? Well, I'm seeing interior designers working in their primary bedroom, one thing, um, <laughs> <laughs> including myself. Um, I'm seeing people remodel add on for sure. They are they were they're kind of pinch hitting for a while, it seemed like to do uh you know, school here and trying to um, have their, their kids in their bedrooms. And then they thought, well, that doesn't work because they sit in their beds and they fall asleep and then they don't really do their work. That was an experience we had. So then we're like, okay, the kids are going to come down and sit in a room. And there's a lot of kids that we have. So we were like everybody in their own like space, but you can't be in your bedroom. That was a rule that we had to, and every kid is different. So we had to kind of pick who had to be in the table and who had to be in the living room. Um, and then um, 
for instance, my husband had, we have a small office. We never thought we would have to build a bigger office. Um, I, get, I had to move into the primary bedroom because my desk was messy. And so um, he did Zoom calls all day. So everybody saw everything. And so somebody made comments about the desk and I cleaned it up once. So he, I, <laughs> I was moved and I am a stacker and I, I admit it fully, but um, so anyhow, this is where I'm at now. Um, and I usually go into the office every day, but I still have four kids as mess on my desk. So, um, and now every time I walk into the bedroom, I'm thinking about work, which is fine, but um, I would like it to be somewhere else, but um, people so are, are using on and making sunrooms and making um, their spaces um, more enjoyable. Yeah. Um, so yeah. you're really, you're experiencing it, which has to help when you're talking clients through Yes. what they're using their budgets on. Yes. I actually have um, a, a continuing client where this, this client works at a, a, a place in um, St. Paul and she is now vice president of finance or something like that. And now they're like, we're going to improve our entry. And then we're building out a um, office for, I'm going to call her Joan. It's not her name. And it's going to be overlook the backyard because it's going to be nice, bright and sunny because she's in the laundry room right now in the basement. And that's been two years and it, I probably could get really depressing. So that is what they're going to do. And she's just seeing the writing on the wall. It's not coming back. So she's going to be working from home and she's going to work in a nice, beautiful area after being in the laundry room for on a card table for two years. Oh man. Yeah. We've heard, what are some of the other ones we've heard, Lisa, in, in the, in the primary bath? Oh, that's one we were, was that Kari Nelson? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know you've worked with Kari. Yeah. I've worked with her. She's, (laughs) she's fabulous. And she was talking about that and really talking to the clients too, about what they're looking for and having a quiet space, I think was one of them, just a place you can get right. Yeah. So the project we did with her, they, the master, the, the master suite actually, we really um, made that beautiful so they could check emails and things like that. While downstairs, all the action was going on. They had, you know, a a new baby and a three-year-old and they had a a beverage fridge up there and everything. So they could really just focus in on that. So, I mean, it's amazing. I can't imagine doing it with young kids. Um, I do have a sign on my door right now that says, podcasting, go ask dad. Um, (laughs) Just in case. So. (laughs) <laughs> and do they listen? Do they actually go ask dad? They do. I, I, I did warn everybody. And then um, I'm like, I don't want to turn around and snap my fingers, you know, like the mom looks so. <laughs> well, it's interesting too. We've talked a, an awful lot about the fact that it's still as much as we are uh, sharing roles and women are in the business world and have been for a long time, it still falls on the women most of the time to handle what the kids needs are first and foremost. So when I think about your desk and your stacking and you're saying you've got the four kids and yourself there. So it's a little tougher to be organized in that manner. I would think as men and women are spending time in the house together, trying to figure out how that actually works. And, and they're seeing a little more, let's face it. Your husband's seeing more than he would if he were going to an office. So all of these things I would think come back to how do you design the spaces Yes. That work to keep people married. (laughs) 
But I, I also think that the roles changed a lot during COVID. And I think that people had to find what their new roles were and Absolutely. how, you know, like the disciplinarian roles and who's going to do what. And you being a mom of four, there were a lot of things that you let go and he didn't yes. even see them all day. Right. Absolutely. And you were wearing like your 10 hats during the day. And when they went to school, then you were working, but then you knew when you had to put the different hat on. And now like those hats just keep stacking up in the house. Yes. And I actually, since I had a small office, I left five people here a lot of times and I just went to the office. And so then he would be able to drive kids to, you know, snowboarding or robotics or pick this person up from school. They were ill. Um, But then oftentimes they would text me and at work coming around two 30 or something when they were done with school and, you know, start asking questions. I'm like, ask dad. They're like, he's in a meeting. And I'm like, don't you think I am? So, (laughs) yeah. So that's learning too. I mean, that really, that pulls it back to, I guess, if you can pull, what are the positives out of COVID kids maybe understand more what mom and dad are doing as opposed to, oh, she's off to the office or whatnot. And I think they understand more too that when we're working, it's not just standing by the water cooler, like the office, because, you know, they've watched that. And, um, we're, you know, we're not all trying to play a joke on Dwight and it, we really are working. It's, it's, um, like my husband can barely like run and use the restroom and and try to get lunch. And he's in like all the time. And he, they, I think they probably just thought it was just kind of fun and games and they're going to work. So, yes. All right. Well, we have another, we have another guest weighing in. Who's got the pup. I'm at my daughter's. (laughs) <laughs> oh, fantastic. Our, our kids wish they had a pup, but we don't have one right now. But Oh, I can't imagine adding that to everything that you've got going on. <laughs> What's your superpower? Keeping calm. That's a great superpower. That's a very good superpower. Yeah. That's and I don't great... know. I always laugh if maybe I've got like a huge ball of anxiety in my stomach, but just keeping calm is definitely a superpower. I don't know how it happens, but I think the more I get excited, the more there's panic and the more I, it doesn't do any good. So um, I think I kind of have to be with um, the brood that we have. I do remember panicking though, when I found out I was pregnant with the fourth one and I thought total eight car seats, cause they're two years apart. So I think at six, they still had, a, you know, type of car seat. And I thought eight car seats, eight. And, um, and then that was really overwhelming, but anyhow. <laughs> from then you hit a level of calmness. Yeah. My clients have said that too, where if something is done wrong, I, I just had a client um, email me about something, the finish is not matching on their shower surround and their, their faucets in their shower. And I'm like, may I call you at one o'clock and then we'll discuss this. And she's all yipped up. And, and so, you know, I, I just want to make sure that it will get solved. It's not the end of the world. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to take care of it and we'll, we'll walk through it and we'll, we'll figure out a solution. So, yeah. And you're right. And meeting that certainly doesn't help the situation. If you meet the stress level, that's not going to help solve anything. Well, we're going to take a really quick break. We are going to be back. And then we're going to talk about a little bit more about how you organize yourself, how you organize your clients and your business. I want to talk about your personal statement, which I absolutely love. So hang with us. We'll be right back. On the Viewing Your Mirror podcast, we love sharing our personal favorites. Rustica Bakery is high on that list and we know you're going to agree. 
Rustica has two locations. They're original at 3224 West Lake Street in Minneapolis, across from Calhoun Commons and Whole Food Market. And Southdale Center, next to Lifetime, where you'll enter without even going into the mall. Both have ample parking, either online or in-store. Bread, breakfast, dessert, treats, a menu sure to allow you to find a personal favorite in no time. Online ordering is a breeze and curbside pickup is an option. Available in-store only are savory menu items. Think grab and go for lunch or enjoy them there. Brunch items are offered Friday through Sunday. My personal favorite is the Take and Bake Cookies, available online or in-store. Truly a capstone for any get-together and in just 15 minutes from package to plate, a memory to make. We highly suggest you always have these in your freezer. RusticaBakery.com. Find the food and drink you adore or try something new. Rustica Bakery puts the love shown by their customers back into every item baked. At Rustica, you're among favorites. And we are back. We are with Renee Keller from Renee Keller Interior Design, talking about all things organization, all things living through a pandemic, organizing your life, all the moving parts with a build and with your part of that build or remodel. How do you organize your clientele? Wow, that's a good question once you actually think about it. Um, (laughs) Well, we have bins. Um, No, actually, it seems like they all rotate in a, in a, in a way when they, when they come in and they're neck and neck, that's when it's most confusing. Like we're doing plumbing at the same time as another one. We do tend to get them mixed up. It seems like when they're staggered, it is much easier to separate them. And so, uh, or if their names are similar, (laughs) the last name, that's a tough one too. And so they seem to come in staggered and, and that is, the, the, the best and they have different architects and builders of course so that um, feels better and then their palettes start to be different in their materials so and every house is different no matter what even if it was the same exact plan and the same builder and the same architect it would still be different um, no two people are the same which I love and I, I would be so bored if all of our projects were the same so that's why I really enjoy doing so many different flavors of design because I always feel like it's the client's design. It's their style, not mine. I just help enable that to happen. You have a personal statement that you love. Yes. Tell us what that is. That is burn the candles, use the China. And that means to me that you almost like live life to the fullest. For instance, if you have something and you like it, I would say use it. Don't just put it away. And if, if let's say grandma gives you China and you really don't love it, then maybe you don't need to keep it. And maybe somebody else in your family would like it. If you have a memory of a, a Windsor bench or something and you, you have it and you love it, then find a place for it. Um, I think those memories will help make your home a quote unquote home. And you can kind of feel the love when you walk through your house. And you design around those things too, don't you? Absolutely. Uh, I don't feel like your house should be an antique store or a, a vintage store, however you're going to be. But if you have a couple pieces of things, or if that's really what lights you up, I feel like that's what you should start from the get go and say, I had a, a, actually a client who said, my husband collects French vintage copper cookware. 
and we have collected for years. We have displayed them and now we're kind of over that. We don't need to display it in our kitchen. It's not very big. So we, we want, you know, maybe one or two pots are great, but we love them. And so we're going to continue to use them. So we need to be able to hold them and our cabinet needs to be able to be uh, uh, heavy enough or, or withhold uh, the weight of them. And so we needed to make sure that they um, had the, the slides and, and, and could hold that. My husband likes to do cast iron. And so we had to also make sure the cabinets could hold that. So, you know, we do things like that. And that is what is really important. And I think makes all of these areas of the home really special. So we're going to sort of switch gears a little bit. And what trends do you see happening right now? The the trends are coming back. I think a warmer tone is coming back. Wood is making a comeback. We do a ton of painted cabinetry, but a nice mix of cabinetry that is painted and wood and a lot of detail meaning a lot of crown, but maybe it's a simplified crown. I feel like inset cabinets are a must and craftsmanship is really important. Instead of being really big and like a huge kitchen, they would much rather have a nice average sized kitchen that has beautiful cabinets and wonderful hardware with exposed hinges that are pretty. People are just caring more for the small details which is right up my alley, of course. And I just feel like the warmer tones are, are very acceptable and feel good to people. Is the Pantone color, like let's say this 2022, the Pantone color is the periwinkle. Do you see people bringing that into their homes? Actually, for me, I think that um, is very, it reminds me of the, the beautiful Crayola box. It reminds me of being a kid and having that very fun color and it's very fresh it makes me almost want to wear it. It makes me buy, want to buy like a pillow or have a couple pillows in a sunroom that have that. It, it more of an accent color, very nostalgic to me. I haven't had any clients ask for it. Although, like I said, I do homes that are, you know, one to two years. And so it would be odd for someone to say, I want my sunroom that whole color and I I tend to do more of the classic colors and have accents of the Pantone color of the year. Like there was salmon a couple of years ago. I can't, is it salmon stream or it was was a coral color. I went to the extreme because that's one of my favorite colors and did our laundry room, that color upstairs, but that was me. So, I mean, that's just, I like that color. Um, And I don't have to look at every day because it's upstairs in the laundry room. So I feel like that's more of an accent color in the Midwest here when we're doing full homes. So you're saying the the Panatone colors are accent colors for you. Do you, and obviously, as you stated, you have projects that go a long period of time. So when you're sitting down and getting to know your client, is that when the colors kind of come out? I've got to believe people are sending you, oh, here's my Pinterest board, or here's what I saw here. People seem to be a little more involved that way. Absolutely. We do have a questionnaire that we send to clients and we, we really try to have both the couples, you know, the both people in charge, or if there's one person or two, not in charge, but living there say, what are your favorite colors? What, what feels good to you? Not even saying colors, but if they say warm or, you know, what type of house is this? Is this a vacation home? Is this a cabin? Um, is this your primary residence? That's a very um, different home than going to the cabin, right? And also patterns. Do you like plaids? Do you have PTSD over Paisley in the <laughs> 90s, late 80s? I mean, some people do. <laughs> it's 
kind of funny. You'll show a fabric and they'll be like, my grandma had this. <laughs> we had to sit there for pictures when we were young. I don't like that. Great. We don't have to use it. So <laughs> I found out a client doesn't like herringbone a couple of days ago. Uh, and I'm like, well, do you like gingham? And she's like, yeah, I love gingham. I'm like, okay, it's kind of in the same neighborhood, but whatever. But so it's just funny how people react. And I think it's very interesting. Um, the whys, I think it's super exciting. So I bet you and Lisa could have a good conversation about that when she pulls out fabrics for clients that they have a, a immediate reaction to, right? Immediate. Yeah, it's always immediate. And I'll, I'll never know why until they tell me. And then I know moving forward that I'm not going to choose anything in that category anymore. I did have and also so I was gone on Friday. So I had um, Luann, my project manager and designer run a meeting for me. And that the client the first time we met, I pulled plaids, this was for a cabin in Wisconsin. And she's like, already done that. No, nope, we're not going to do that. And so I'm like, okay, we won't do that. It was they were just for pillows. And so now that was probably two and a half months ago. And so now Luann pulled this flag for these tiny little ottomans and it was just great. She wants a huge ottoman in it. And I'm like, she said she didn't like plaids. So now she's <laughs> putting it on a big ottoman and in the chair we originally picked, she just said she didn't like those. So I'm like going to give her a hard time over it. Cause it's super fun. Cause it's an, I mean, it's originally what we had pulled and, you know, two and a half months later. <laughs> so she's like, well, I just meant a little bit. So um, it's super fun. And what they can, I always think of it like baking, like too much lemon is not good for some people or a little basil avocado is a huge thing too. You know, like people are like just a little bit, or I love it. You know, it's people have such a reaction. I think it's, it's fascinating. And I think Think this is the reason why I stayed out of the actual interior design of colors and selections and all of that because I don't have the patience for that. I don't have the patience for yeah. be like you said, no bad. We're not doing it written down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, talk a little bit. How do you stay current and keep up to date on what's happening? Is there a continuing education? What's there what is continuing education? I I have this book. Um, it's a big, a uh, big Canson book, like the big sketchbook and don't get too excited. I don't sketch in it. I actually go through all of the architectural digest and all of the kitchen and bath magazines and just things I like. Sometimes I'll screenshot things and print it off just things I like. So I, I don't even know. And I will, I have a rule where I can't cut, um, the actual pieces, like the, the, the photos I have to rip them. So I, try to rip them really nice. And then I use um, that wasabi tape and I put it in there. And then I have to use black magic marker, kind of a thicker one and write on there in cursive because nobody writes in cursive and I love to write in cursive. And I write what I like about it, like stunning, or this is a great fixture, or I love this finish. And I just kind of see things. And then I flip the page. I'll have to show you someday. I'm going to send you photos of it, but it's a great dreamy book of mine. That's just more full of inspiration. And so that's all I know. That's all I do. And I just kind of go with it. I don't really follow trends. I just, that's what I like. So you're more of a visual, you're more of a visual person. Absolutely. I think I dream in color every night. That's important. I mean, to know about yourself. Yeah. I always say when they would say in, in, what is it in math, they would say, well, here's three quarters, you know, and I would picture uh, like a Pac-Man, you know, like a three quarters cup, like a chart like that. I mean, I very, very visual and um, that's um, actually, I, I love that. So when you're going to pick out fabrics, wallpaper, all of those things, you're very comfortable looking at it visually and being able to pick 
certain things for certain people, which I think is a talent because there's some people that are so overwhelmed with that and they can't do that. Just like if I go into a store and I'm picking for several clients at one time, I'm able to visually select for each person because I'm a visual person and that works better for me. And I can do many clients at once and easily do it. And I actually, there's a showroom F Schumacher and company. So I love going to that showroom because I can just pull them down and then grab them. And I don't have to do anything else. It's just all about color and doing. You know, the other thing that I really think has made what you do, what I do, what Lisa does so much easier is having that ability to snap a picture, something and send it to someone quickly. Oh, I have thousands and thousands of photos. It's amazing. Sometimes I think I can get into trouble with that too. When, if, when I start texting clients and stuff that, that can be a little bit hard to, and kind of get out of the professionalism of it. And it can help in some ways, but it can, I can get into trouble with it too. So you have to use it. You have to use it sparingly and with caution. You know, I tell people all the time when I would see people generally, especially doing closets, it was the tail end of the project. Now it's much earlier in the project, even with closets, because it's become a much more important part of it, or people have realized how much more important it is. Invariably, they would talk about, oh, this is an overwhelming process. There's so many things to choose from. There's so many things to pick from. And those that were working with designers had a much easier path with it because that designer would hone it down into more bite-sized pieces. And I would say to clients, remember, nobody's going to know what you did not pick. So if you're down to two fixtures and you just can't decide, or if you've wasted so much time on websites trying to find that perfect fixture and you can't get it narrowed down, nobody is going to know what you didn't pick. That's my mantra (laughs) as people are going through that process kind of works in concert with what you're doing. Absolutely. That's a really good way to grant them permission to make a choice. There is one thing I call um, decision fatigue. And I did have a lot of that towards the end of when we built a house three years ago, and I actually had to have another designer finish the decisions for me. And it was small things like what finish should I do on the, the hardware in our dining room? Like I was done. I, I was toast. I could make huge decisions fine, but it was those little ones that I just, and so I, I just said, tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do. Cause I just, I just was done. I had too much decision fatigue. Do you know when your other clients have decision fatigue and do you know when to stop? Yes. And so, and I, what I, feel like I have a good handle on is saying this is going to be okay. What I would do in my, my home kind of just saying, if it was me, I would do this because of this, this, and this. And if I could, if I can support it, they are 100% fine with it. And by that time we've had this trust, you know, we've been, I always say we've been together for 12 months. And then after 18 or months or um, 24 months, we have to break up, you know, cause you see each other for so long and then you don't see each other. You kind of miss each other. So I said, it's not time to start another project. So I'm switching gears on you. Again. All right. I'm good with it. What's your morning look like? Are you really organized? Do you have the same routine every morning? Yes. I wake up, I get my coffee and I like to just sit and uh, relax for just five, 10 minutes. I drive my son to school and I come back and get ready, go to work. Sometimes I fit in a exercise routine, meaning like seven to eight, maybe do a little jogging, um, Peloton work, you know, 
and then going to work a little late and then work a little later in the afternoon or later at night. I've been working into a new schedule, which kind of feels good. So, cause like when I get home, I just don't work out. So I like to get that done um, at least a couple times a week. So yeah, that's what I do. And um, my husband working from home, he's been, he's an early riser. So he gets all that done before I even open my eyes. My motto is go to bed early and sleep late. I like it. <laughs> so on the days that you're going to see clients face-to-face, mm-hmm. do you think about what you're going to wear according to the clients you have? Yes. I usually step it up a little bit. Um, it depends on where we're meeting. Sometimes we're meeting in a cold, frigid house that we're going to be doing a lighting walkthrough. And that's my least favorite thing to be is cold. Um, I have seven black turtlenecks and that's my uniform in the, in the winter. They might have a little one's rib. This one's a little close fitting if I wear it underneath something, which I had on, but I was all sweaty because I was late for this. Um, and then sometimes a wool cashmere or something, but I have a black turtleneck for every day of the week in the winter and just different um, jeans. It's different now. I just don't dress up like I used to. Um, so I actually think the earrings and the shoes are the most important thing. And do you like not dressing up? I don't mind dressing up like every once in a while. I kind of, I like this as long as it's interesting and has a little bit of style. I kind of like the classic feel. I do need to go through um, my closet. I think I love the ease of the black turtleneck and possibly some sweaters over it, which is just fine. I don't like how it feels when I have a sweater on and then my winter coat. That's what I don't like. So then I have to bring the sweater with me. But in the summer, I love just walking out the door without a coat. And then that's, I like that. So it's a little more interesting in the summer and in spring and fall. So So you you don't wear the black turtleneck, but you wear the black t-shirt. No, I don't actually wear probably more white. Yeah, that's a little more interesting. I have to think a little bit more in those seasons. She's all right. I, to, I can't so remember. Do you, have a luck, do you have a lucky piece? I would say no. No, not that I can. I, I would say the black turtleneck. I, I can't even think about what I wear. <laughs> if you didn't wear the black turtleneck. <laughs> well, it, I'll get one of those dickies. Of remember those yeah. dickies or whatever? <laughs> I, like Dick and Jane and they used to wear, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Veronica, Beard, Veronica Beard still does the dickies and all of her blazers. You can yeah. buy different dickies. Oh, it's actually a cute look. I I have to say when I saw it recently, I was very surprised and pleasantly surprised. It really looks cute. Yeah, I do like a a nice white button down. I am not too um, crazy in that area. Again, you are classically, you are classically elegant, I would say. There's nothing wrong with that. It's what you like. It's what makes you feel good. I've been really into Kelly Green lately. I painted our front door Kelly Green and I just love it. I'm liking J. Crew has those little scalloped um, linen shorts that are Kelly Green. That's kind of fun. It's really fun to talk to you because you can get a sense of how you'd work with the client and how you'd bring your aesthetics in to help along that path as well. And it really is a very comfortable serene is maybe a word that I would use oh that's awesome I'd love to hear that thank you yeah you're welcome so we gotta ask the question I don't think we've asked it the last couple of times but if you were a dog what kind of a breed would you be I tried to think of something exciting um of course this is gonna be long-winded because I'm always long-winded we babysit a dog and she's coming on Thursday night and she is a French bulldog Uh, her name is Brie Brioche and 
she's wonderful. She looks like a bun. She's like all woman and she is pretty dense though. So I don't think I'm going to choose a French bulldog because she's really dense. And so she's super sweet. And I kind of feel bad. I'm not picking that, but this is not me. I'm going to go with golden retriever. (laughs) I didn't want to pick it, but I don't know what else to pick. So a golden. It just feels, it just feels like it does that warm, inviting face. I want to stay blonde like Glenn and, um, and you love people. Yeah. We have a client, um, their golden retriever is named Skippy and he is a doll. And, um, we went to their house to do some inventory and I had a, um, kind of a whitish long coat that looked kind of like the abominable snowman. Just stay with me. And uh, we went in there and I'm like, it's dressed like Skippy day because it was, um, just like the same color as the dog. And it was really fun, but no, I'm a, I'm a golden hundred percent. So. All right. Well, we'll try not to call you Skippy. It will be a compliment. We, <laughs> that would be a compliment. Renee, thanks so much. It's been lovely talking to you. Before we leave, we want to do two things. We're going to talk about the nonprofit that you brought forward to us, which you are a new board member of. And then we're going to touch on how to get a hold of you. So tell us about the organization that you would like to focus on. I would like to focus on the Sani Foundation, and that is based in St. Paul. And they focus on empowering kids and community outreach by in-school support, after-school support, feeding families, and a lot of community work. Fantastic. Well, and you're a new board member, as we said, the Sane Foundation. Sane is spelled S-A-N-N-E-H. Tony Sane is a former pro soccer player and has just been instrumental in outreach in the Twin Cities and what a wonderful heart he has. So it is the sanefoundation.org. Yes. Also, there is a new dome that they have um, available and every Saturday, Sunday, probably even more than that, they have a lot of activities planned to come out, play soccer. um, And it's right um, near the Conway Center in uh, St. Paul. Thank you so much. Now, how do people get a hold of you? They can go to ReneeKeller.com and give a call. They can email ReneeKeller.com and uh, fill out a submission form if they're interested in working with us. And that is um, how they get a hold of me. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. You have been a pleasure to chat with. Thank you. And we look forward to spring and hearing all about the wonderful things you've got going on. You are on social media. What are your tags? Yes. Instagram, it's Renee Keller Interior Design and Facebook is the same. Renee Keller Interior Design. LinkedIn is Renee Keller. And I believe my blog, it is Burn the Candles. Burn the Candles. Yes. Lovely. Well, burn the candles and continue to have an incredible view in your mirror, Renee Keller. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much. Well, I feel like we got a lot of information. I just love her calm, steady vibe was very, very nice. It was very, it was very calming. She was easy to have on. She was. And once again, we, the intersection between our wardrobes and colors and our homes and accenting and all of that, it all comes together. So we have wonderful things going on in coming episodes and wonderful things going on with clients. And so we are going to sign off, but first we're going to tell you that I can be reached at Katie at katieharms.com. Lisa is at Lisa at wardrobeconsulting.net. And we can be found at theviewinyourmirror.com for any of our past episodes, any of our nonprofits. And you can also reach us through that site as well. We thank you so much for joining us. And we know that you are going to continue to have a fantastic view in your mirror. Until next time. 